You are listening to The Transport, episode 13. Lordy, she's a robot. The Transport by Alex Ames You are listening to The Transport, a sci-fi military action thriller audiobook podcast, written and performed by Alex Ames. The music throughout the podcast is the song The Last True Boss by Kumiku, available on the freemusicarchive.org. Chapter 44 Charles In the other tent, Charles received a set of desert fatigues and a sandwich. He changed awkwardly while Morales looked elsewhere and tapped a foot to an unheard rhythm. Then she led him into a third tent which seemed to be an all-purpose place of the improvised camp. A makeshift kitchen handed out food rations, and on the folding tables, soldiers cleaned their weapons. They all gave Charles curious glances. The bush drum probably had already spread the news that he was the big wig spy from Washington and sort of responsible for the mess. While eating, Charles's analytical mind worked on the concept of the electrical outage. Stopping the flow of electro-energy was nothing new. Electromagnetic pulse weapons, short EMPs, were on the spec list of many armies, but to Charles's knowledge no one had been able to pack enough punch into a weaponized unit yet. The effects of the EMP outage had been observed after nuclear bomb tests when the electrical current close to the blast seemed to freeze inside the wires. A similar effect could be seen in the aftermath of lightning strikes. But the current effect, especially applied in a sphere of such a big radius, clearly not came from a machine designed by humans. And the machine produced the effect, Charles was sure of that. The timing had been perfect. Attack the ground support with the rocket-propelled grenades, switch on the mysterious electro-blocker weapon to bring down helicopters and jets, and prevent anyone else with fancy technology or fast cars to enter the zone. This left the big question, why? While the electro-block weapon was engaged, the transport and tin can were stopped for good. The MMTUs couldn't be compared to some ancient diesel tractor that managed to work without electricity just by pure chemical reaction and thermodynamics. MMTUs were high-tech vehicles, probably like tin can itself. The attackers were not aliens, that much was clear from the satellite video transmissions. But they used an alien weapon technology. Big mystery. They were able to get hold of Tin Can, but wouldn't be able to take off and leave with Tin Can itself.
except Charles didn't like this option at all, except if it were the aliens after all, reclaiming their ship with the ability to leave Earth and fly home. If humankind got that lucky, in case the aliens were a sore bunch of bad losers, they might give some sort of farewell parting shot that wiped out the continent. Thank you for all those shitty decades on your planets, folks. Morales came back and sat opposite of Charles. She placed a large piece of black Velcro nylon upside down on the desk. Penny for your doctoral thoughts. Just wondering about the meaning of it all. Long given up on it. One day you are at home and spoon feed your kids, the next you are in some exotic country and bomb things to shit, she said. You got kids? Three. Back in Virginia. My mother and my ex are taking care of things while mommy is out here saving the world. What about you? Charles shook his head. In between girlfriends, no kids, nothing more than a busy worker bee in the Langley Hive. And yet, here you are, commanding Uncle Sam's elite around. Early Christmas gift, Charles tapped on the nylon velcro piece in front of him. Morales turned the nylon around. It read in capital white letters, PRESS. We'll not fool anyone, but regulation is regulation. We can't let you walk around in fatigues without proper assignment. And we ran out of spy. She stood up and attached the sign to Charles's back. Laughter came over from the next table, and Charles raised his hand in mock despair. Morales updated him. We have our volunteers. Two of them will be trained as soon as the tow plane arrived. The training sergeant has high blood pressure, but agreed on a crash course. We've started to round up the first horses. When the gliders are in the air, we'll have a bigger group to speed up the task and find more animals. If you like, you can take a nap for a few hours and join the first group of riders into the zone tomorrow morning. Charles did not react and stared into infinity. He lost his team. Anything's bugging you, Doc? Morales inquired. Charles looked at her, and in an act of temporary insanity, he said, Cancel one glider volunteer. I am coming with you. Chapter 45 Cena What the hell is this? Max said and stepped closer to peer at the tentacles. Ooh, is this like the sucker from the bathtub that played with me? Sina held him back. Don't get too close, it might jump onto you like an alien. Mac didn't answer, kept his gun pointed on the tentacles. Every one of the survivors stared at the repelling sight. The woman's labored and raspy breathing grew weaker. There seems to be more attached to it, Casper said, poking the tentacles with the barrel of his rifle. You think this is our original spaceship inhabitant? Mac asked. 
Well, it looks green. Our forefathers got that right, Sina said. She pointed at the dead civilian body. This could be their method of surviving, hiding within another species. This one's definitely uglier than anything I've ever seen before, Mac replied. The wiggling of the tentacles grew weaker and weaker. And finally, no more movement. The woman stopped breathing too. And it can't live without its dead host for long, Sina observed. That explains it, Mac said. They wanted to plant one of those suckers inside my body. That's why the striptease. Sina suddenly understood that Gorsuch and the others must have met a similar fate. Kimmick, too. Shouldn't we try to see what it looks like? Caspar asked. What we are up against? Mac tapped a finger against his head. No way I'll touch this thing. Sina stared in morbid fascination at the short tentacles. She breathed in and out twice. I go with Casper. She went over to the heap of weapons that the enemy combatants had taken from the soldiers and retrieved her small K-bar knife. The faint of heart might enjoy the evening sun and look elsewhere. No one did. Sina swallowed and started to cut away the rest of the clothes from the dead woman. See, she's wearing some sort of diapers to collect blood from the fresh wound around her anus. She removed the diaper and spread off one of the legs. Black, crusted blood. A lot of it. This was the way in for our slimy, tentacle alien. Caspar turned away in disgust. Through the asshole. Ugh! Makes sense. It's flexible to an extent, but the thing doesn't stay in your intestines. That's where all the blood is coming from. She turned back towards the tentacles. Now for the ugly part. She cut into the stomach of the dead woman, near where the tentacles showed. Not being a surgeon, she had to adjust the blade several times. Flesh gave away, more intestines spilled and Sina had to step back briefly when the smell of blood and warm meat hit her nose. She heaved to suppress the need to throw up. There it was, nested between the intestines and various organs, parallel to the spine, a giant green naked slug. About 25 inches long, 4 inches thick, with 4 tentacles on top. Two of the tentacles still embraced the spine tightly. The spine hug must mean something, Sina pointed out. Perhaps that's the way to take over your body. Which could explain why Kimmick turned on us. It wasn't him, but the alien slug, Mac realized. Yeah, great excuse. The alien made me do it, Sina muttered. Mac took the knife from Sina's hand and poked the main body of the slug gently with a pointy tip in various places. Doesn't seem to have eyes or any other features besides the tentacles. Not overly impressive, Casper agreed. Yet these slimy slugs have stolen our transport, Sina remarked. Mac leaned closer. I wonder how soft or strong these tentacles are. 
He moved the knife into his other hand and used his index finger to give the unmoving spine-hugging tentacle a gentle nudge. Suddenly, with amazing agility and speed, all four tentacles grabbed Mac's wrist, the green snakes encircling it forcefully. Everyone gave girlish shrieks and Mac jumped back, pulling out the slug-like creature completely. Holy! He started and at the same time slashed with a razor-sharp knife, severing the tentacles from the green slug. Immediately the tentacles lost strength and fell off one by one into the dust. Man, that was my last foray into outer space science. Give me an Afghanistan desert any time. Mac checked his arm, where four puncture marks could be seen, looking like mean insect bites, turning redder and redder by the second. I agree respectfully, Cena turned to Casper. Do we still have some alcohol in our first aid pack? We need to disinfect. Who knows what outer space bugs this thing carries? I don't want to catch a green slime sneezing cold, Mac said. While Casper struggled with his backpack content, Mac grimaced while he rubbed his lower arm. I wonder if the sucker was able to glance into my soul for a second when it had my wrist, like tapping a phone line. Don't joke about that, Sina said. She received the little disinfectant bottle, took the cutaway clothing pieces of the dead woman and started to swap down Mac's wrist. I always joke when I'm scared, and this scares me so much I want to tell Bob Hope jokes for the rest of the evening, Mac said. They exchanged tense looks. Great that the sergeants get along again, Casper interrupted. We still need to check out our mysterious blonde shooting star. Don't expect me to touch her, Mac clarified. The twitching remaining body of the motorcycle lady lay on the asphalt. She was on her back, her legs and hips terribly mangled from the run over, her upper body largely intact. Sina had trouble looking at her. She was another display of pure horror. That woman had to be in terrible pain and clearly she was still alive. But no sound escaped her lips, while her hands moved over her lower body, feeling up the damage, her eyes open, staring into the sky. Her mouth opened and closed like a nutcracker, but no words came out. Sina noticed the absence of blood and wondered why the hairdo was still arranged close to perfection. After his latest experience, Max stayed a few yards away. Can you hear us, lady? Sina started. The woman didn't react, still feeling her way around her hips. Why isn't she bleeding? Sina asked. Maybe the slug inside of her drank it all up? Mac proposed. She fought against them, not for them. I don't think she's invaded, Casper pointed out. Suddenly, the woman unclasped her belt and pulled down her leather jeans, exposing naked skin underneath. No panties. Shit, what's going on here? Mac said. All the stuff happening today is like from a sci-fi horror movie. Is she pulling a striptease? The lady pushed her jeans down as far as she could, exposing the obscenely flattened hip section, covered by giant wrinkles of skin, broken in several places, revealing unbleeding flesh. Then she pulled up her biker jacket and the undershirt up to her well-formed breast, 
and the damage even became clearer. The jeep had flattened everything from ribcage downwards. Then the hand started to tear at her skin around her navel, ripping it open, the sound of tearing a shirt in two. Jesus, stop her! Someone stop her! Sina screamed and Mac looked away. Casper continued to look and gave a running commentary. She's going at it, systematically. We are missing something and there's still no blood. He was right. Underneath the skin it showed no flesh or muscles, but something else. It looked like muscle tissue from a graphic in a colored anatomy book, red and white strands, but it clearly was not muscle flesh. It looked like fake muscle tissue. The ripping continued, an incredibly scary sound with a cruel visual. Your knife! Everyone was startled, the lady could speak. She had her eyes on Mac. He gave the knife to Sina, who in turn handed it to the blonde woman. Then she quickly stepped back, out of slashing range, her gun now trained on the armed superwoman, finger around the trigger, as did Casper. With an expert touch, she cut through the tissue, methodically, clearly experienced no pain whatsoever. The retinon tissue slipped away into the inside like layers of stretched out rubber bands, revealing... Lordy, she's a robot, Max said, watching again with morbid fascination. Behind various layers of the muscle tape, there was a dull black skeleton, unknown devices and hair-thin strands of what might be cabling. She's repairing herself, Casper said. The robo-lady systematically freed herself of her thrashed interior, ripping out strange-looking fleshy components, cutting off the fake skin and muscle tissue. The asphalt beside her started to look like a mix of anatomy plastic pieces and the butcher's display. She finally reached the central skeleton component, equivalent to the backbone, and put her knife away. She held herself at the hips, and with incredible force started to twist her lower torso by 180 degrees. Every human flinched from the sight, but it became clear that this was some established procedure. Then she repositioned her hands once more and repeated the twisting. Suddenly, her lower body was completely separated from her upper half. Still on her back, the lady pulled down her shirt and leather jacket, and became modest again in a freakish cabinet of horror way. Can one of the gentlemen help me, please, and move me where I can sit upright? We should talk, she suddenly said with a distinguished southern accent, as if she was unaware of her physical fate. They propped her upright into one of the school bus seats and used dead people's belts to secure her from toppling sideways. Casper was assigned to guard duty. The rest assembled around the freak sight of the super-attractive woman, minus her lower half. Sina ran her hand through her own short hair. The lady still had such perfect killer hairdo, even after the motorcycle stunt and the fighting, it made any woman envious. Sina remembered that this was no woman, so the hair wasn't real either.
I am First Sergeant MacDonald, United States Army. You are not human, obviously, so who are you, or better, what are you, lady? The lady watched Mac with wide, seductive eyes that could melt a glacier, and she wetted her attractive lips with a perfectly normal tongue. My name is Ava, and I live in Sugarland, Texas. That brought a collective burst of laughter, relieving the tension of the situation. That is a fact, ladies and gentlemen of the U.S. Army, the woman cyborg insisted. Lady, Mac leaned forward, but still well outside of the woman's arm's reach. If you haven't noticed yet, your cover is blown. We saw you disassembling your lower half a minute ago. You are not from Sugarland, Texas. Ava stayed quiet. Then, I do not hear a question. Where are you from? You might want to speed up your line of questioning. I have several internal injuries and I might die any minute. All right, we'll play along and pretend you are a southern damsel in great distress. I get it, you don't want to talk about yourself, but what are these fuckers? Mac had brought in one of the tentacles, spiked on a piece of metal like a sausage. And more importantly, how do we fight them? Sina threw in. The creature is called a sclone. You do fight the hosts, like we did just a few minutes ago. By killing the host, you kill the sclone. But how do we find out whether someone is infected or not? Mac asked. My watch, take my wristwatch, has a reach of about 20 yards. The lady stretched her hand and showed a thick sports wearable on a leather band. Sina stretched out her arms, carefully unbuckled the band and looked at the face, which showed the correct time in the mock analog simulation. Do I press a button? I told you, 20 yards. What does it read? Sina scrutinized the display. Nothing. Just the time and date. Yes, there is no sclone alive within 20 yards, so it's just... Lady Ava stopped talking and moving for about five seconds. Then she continued as if nothing had happened. A watch. Her own time ran out, apparently. How many sclones are there? Mac asked. Lady Ava laughed out loud with a face that fitted a cocktail party and everyone winced. The sight and situation were too bizarre. What's so funny about that lady? Mac asked. There's an old saying, if you see sclones, run. They are everywhere, like a pest, like cockroaches, like... We get the point, Mac interrupted the display of distaste. With these dead hosts outside, Sina pointed towards the battlefield, our opponents are down by five. This time, a benevolent smile on Ava's face as if she was talking to a child. Yes, honey. But there will be new hosts, so many humans around. Sclones are the The half-lady stopped. For good. The answer never came. She died, looking like a movie star on a photo still, in the middle of a dialogue, radiating beauty, domination and poise. All that was missing was the Nick and Nora glass with a martini in her hand.
Chapter Forty Six. Leo. Eva was by far the hottest girl Leo had ever brought into his apartment. Actually, she was the third girl ever in here, and the first two times did not count because they had visited with their boyfriends for a game night. So technically, Eva was the first, but by any definition, definitely the hardest. She gave his apartment a quick scan. Any other girl would have silently disapproved of the mess in the living room. With Eva, he was sure that she checked for threats and escape routes. Is there a back door? She confirmed his thoughts. Nope, only a back window from the bedroom. No fire escape. Listen. He looked down at his bloody clothes. I need to change. Make yourself at home. Even though he had cleaned up some stuff last night, this room still was a dump. Leo picked up some of the most offensive items from the floor and the couch and then vanished into the bedroom. A quick shower and a fresh set of clothes took him all but five minutes. When he was back, he found Eva walking around his apartment, cleaning up. You want anything to drink? Coffee? Beer? Something stronger? he asked. No, we need to form a plan. My plan is to hide in my bed, put the blanket over my head and sleep a hundred years, Leo suggested. And have you by my side. This is not the plan I have in mind. Ignorance won't change anything. You seem to be much better at this than I am. What do you propose? It's your town, Leo. Is there army around here? Military support we can ask for. We have no local base, if that's what you're looking for. There used to be one, maybe 50 miles from here. Old Air Force Base, closed years ago, well before my time. Not good. Even if there was a base around here, I'm pretty sure the army won't salute us when we ask them for a favor. A small smile played around her mouth, giving her this girlish look again. Me too. Armies everywhere are pretty similar. Everywhere is exactly where, Leo probed. This girl, he still thought of her as human, was a total mystery with her capabilities and personal history. She turned to Leo. You have no idea what is going on, right? He crossed his arm, leaned against the kitchen counter. I don't. All I know is that my colleagues are out of control and it has to do something with the mysterious force. Eva stood near the window, glanced out. Out of control is a good description. They are out of control indeed. Instead, they are being controlled by someone else. Thought control? No, that's not possible. More direct. The nervous system has been taken over. Like someone hijacks a computer network and makes the connected devices do strange things. She continued her cleaning tour, sniffed at one sweater, judged it good for wear and folded it with two expert hand movements. She looked like a supermodel doing chores. Or, in IT terms, getting rude excess. But... Leo let his thoughts wander back to their scene in the basement. You mean this is like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the old sci-fi movie? Exactly like the Body Snatchers. I haven't seen that movie, but the title describes it accurately. 
Let me guess, your mother, he made quote marks with his fingers, and you like the Terminator movies? A sexy small smile around her lips. Actually, we loved the movies, all of them. Ava decided to model ourselves around the Schwarzenegger biker character. We even stole the bike from a motorcycle gang in Tulsa. Let's hope the rockers fared a gentler fate than the veracity Nazis, Leo thought and asked a question of questions. You are a robot then? The correct term is cyborg, yes. A terminatrix, Leo muttered referring to the fan-endearing term given to the female Terminator from the film series. Now I need that coffee. He popped in a capsule and let the machine heat up for a minute. Again, good description. You are here to hunt down whatever controls my colleagues? I need your help in this. You have your mother. If she's as able as you are, you guys will be an unbeatable force. She's following her own leads. Are you even allowed to recruit a human to help you? Leo asked and his coffee machine started to sputter. We are operating autonomously. As long as my logic does not prohibit it, we are allowed to do anything. Avoiding answering my questions is your polite way of saying prohibited by my logic? Leo sipped his coffee and watched Eva finishing her cleaning act. She came over to him, stood herself right opposite of him. As good as new. The room never looked that clean, Leo stuttered. Cyborg or not, she was hot and radiated it, smelling good even after the day's carnage. You should vacuum the room, she stepped a little closer to him. Right after we killed all those body snatchers, Leo leaned back a little. She was getting too close to his liking. Girl, co-worker, terminator, sex kitten. Do you find me sexy? Leo now took a full step back and collided with the kitchen counter. Whoa, yeah, no, maybe. You are a robot after all. Cyborg. Machine. And even if I don't have an active sex life, I'm not sure I want a machine to get me off, even in the shape or form of you. But you find me attractive? Yeah, hell yeah, you're a dream girl. Great body, great kisser, you smell great. Great cleaning lady, too. You clean up drug dealers, apartments and brain-controlling bugs alike. Will you help me? Eva, what kind of programming logic is behind these moves? Try sex first, then ask for help? What's next? The teary eyes? She smiled at him. Her face grew serious. The corners of her mouth started to quiver and her large brown eyes started to fill. At first, thick tear ran down her cheek. Leo couldn't help it and started to laugh out loud. Man, you are a walking and talking soap opera. Eva's face turned soft again and she laughed too. Sorry, I wanted to give you my full range. I realized your full range when you kissed me right after the drug dealer killings. I needed to calm you down. You are calm now and you said no to my sexual advances. You are a very strong man. Oh my, flattery next, Leo swallowed. To save your face and to state it for your eternal record, my no now might not mean no forever. <clears throat> He cleared his throat, took a deep breath. Of course I help you. We've made it this far, we'll make it further on. 
We have guns and a clean apartment. Uh, what do we do next? He glanced at the kitchen clock, which read 6.05 p.m. It would be getting dark outside soon. We find out what their plan is. You mean you don't know? It's not posted in the news or on the internet. But you have some assumptions, right? There are three core strategies behind sclone conversions with local species. Sclones, that's their name? An approximate translation into your Latin origin language. Now you sounded like data from Star Trek. Three strategies? Survival, domination, migration. Hmm, survival I get. Sclones do anything necessary to stay alive and force themselves into another body. Domination means what? Take over Earth? Eva nodded. That means there must be millions or billions of them somewhere? No other species knows, maybe not even themselves. Trillions? But not on Earth. I don't know how many sclones are on your planet, but every domination starts slowly. But the lab we saw didn't look like a breeding ground for aliens. It was like, what, three hundreds of these pods? That sounds more like a habitat to me. Eva considered his words for a second. You are right. Domination is not their strategy right now. A small community hiding out between humans. Laying low, but starting something recently. Preparing migration. Like illegals crossing the border? In a sense, leaving your planet. Of course, they are from outer space. Not our sun's system, Eva nodded. Okay, talk to me about that migration. How would they leave? Steal a space shuttle or that Elon Musk SpaceX thing, pimp it up and sayonara? The clones can only travel in their own vehicles. Their own vehicles here on Earth? Maybe. Wouldn't we have heard if anyone had found a spaceship? Maybe, maybe not. Man, you are a showcase for fuzzy logic. That's all your advanced circuits can come up with? Leo, you are a programmer. My answer is totally logical. I don't know the answer, but we need to find out. Find the spaceship? No, I told you, find out their plan. Eva, I'm new to this whole alien migration spaceship Terminator stuff. Help me out here. What are the options we are facing? Option one, their spaceships on Earth, but lost or hidden. The clones will search for it. Option two, humans found the ship. The clones will recapture it. Option three, there is no spaceship on Earth. The clones will call for one. Option four, no spaceship, no means of communication. The clones prepare to stay for a long time and go into hiding again. Eva rattled down quickly. Thank you for the explainer. So the Legion Analytics zombie clones will start any of those things you mentioned. And we need to find out their plan. And then we stop them. Just like that. Just like that, she said. Leo downed the rest of his coffee and put the mug on the kitchen counter. All right, I'm caffeinated and pumped up and my room is clean. Let's kick some ass. Eva took the mug squeezed past him, brushing his everything, and put the mug into the now full dishwasher.
she added a detergent and switched it on. You're with me? All the way, Eva. She came over and gave him a kiss that made his head spin. This is it for this week's edition of The Transport, the sci-fi action thriller written and performed by Alex Ames. If you liked what you just heard, leave a comment in whatever platform you downloaded or listened to the podcast. If there are stars, star me, help me spread the good. And again, my shameless self-promoting plug, if you liked it so far and can't bear the suspense, buy the book. If you can bear the suspense, buy the book. And another shameless self-promotion, if you liked what you heard and think that many of your potential customers might be listening to this podcast too, feel free to contact me at alex.ames.writing at gmail.com or send me a private message on Twitter or Instagram at alexameswriting, one word. The middle section of this podcast could be reserved for you. And that's it, for real. Wherever you are, whoever you are, thank you, take care, I hear you next time. This is Alex Ames, this was The Transport, over and out. <laughs>